When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. The world is in a state that my generation has quite possibly never seen before. The virus sweeps across the globe like an invisible predator. In its wake, the henchmen fear and uncertainty. But wherever there is darkness, there is also light. And so you can see heartwarming solidarity and creativity wherever you look. People singing from their balconies in Italy, storytellers and musicians performing online and accessible for all, communities reaching out well-sanitized hands to help those in need. And we hope that the podcast, too, brings a smile to your lips in these strange times. As the flowers outside begin to bloom in the gentle light of the springtime sun, we have a whole bouquet of four short stories for you in this episode. So let us embark on that journey to a land far, far away, but as a start, not so long ago. Two weeks ago, I was invited to Dubai by the storytelling company. I had never been to the Middle East before, and nothing I have ever experienced prepared me for the glamour, the dimension, the sheer fascination of it all. The moment I stepped out of the airport into a tender Arabian night, I dove headfirst into a world where the air is scented with oud and spices. The food is so tasty that you never want to stop eating. And everything is so vibrant that your head is still reeling from the impressions long after you've closed your eyes at night. They say that Dubai is the Las Vegas of the Middle East, and I can see why. I stayed in a chic skyscraper with the Sparkle Towers on the one side. That's the name of two twin skyscrapers that actually do sparkle all night long and the breathtaking view of the sea and what is to be the largest ferris wheel in the world on the other side. But one afternoon I discovered that there is also another side to the pulsating expat hub. A boat took my friend and me across the Dubai Creek to what they call the old part of Dubai. It dates back to the 19th century and when you follow the maze-like streets You'll end up in the heart of the souks, the colorful, buzzing Arabic markets. 
The souks are a seemingly infinite row of stalls, branching off into alleys with more stalls, all packed with fabrics in every shade of the rainbow, sparkling like crushed diamonds. Heaps of spices and sweetmeats ready for tasting, shelves filled with delicate glass vials filled with golden and dark liquids, tables straining under the weight of twinkling trinkets in gold and silver and brass and copper, shop windows bursting with jewelry that look like shirts and scarves but is actually intricately forged gold. I did not know where to turn first. And this feat was not made easier by the clamoring merchants all trying to get our attention. What a spectacle! When my friend stopped at a stall to inspect a fine piece of fabric, I looked around and saw a dark side alley. There, I caught the sight of a man, clad in the traditional attire of Saudi Arabian men, an ankle-length robe with a piece of fabric on the head, fastened by a coiled rope. But unlike the traditional attire, the fabric of his clothes was not white, but midnight blue. He held my gaze for a second and then turned abruptly, vanishing in his stall. And as my friend haggled over the price of her fabric, I followed the man and ducked into his shop. It was quite dark inside, and surprisingly quiet. When my eyes had adjusted to the dim light, I saw that I was surrounded by high shelves supported by rolled-up oriental rugs, stuffed with piles of the usual bric-a-brac. Bowls, cups, daggers with curved blades and intricately adorned sheaths, candlesticks, ornately engraved platters, wooden crates, figurines of camels, Arabic coffee pots with elongated spouts like beaks and dainty cups to go with them, and a pile of magic lamps. A magic lamp was the one thing that I, the lover of stories, really wanted to bring home as a souvenir. I started to rummage through the pile, inspecting one lamp after another, trying not to make too much noise, always feeling the silent man's level gaze on me. There was a gleaming purple and gold lamp that I liked, and one that shimmered like mother of pearl, so I held those two in my hands to decide which one I should take home. In the silence, I thought I could hear a melody, first faintly, and then always more clearly. Where did it come from? Did it come from the pile of the magic lamps? I rummaged some more and the music stopped. But there, at the bottom of the pile, I uncovered a magic lamp unlike all the others. Dull brass, dusty, the spout slightly damaged, and yet I felt drawn to it and picked it up. This was the moment the man chose to speak. Other lamps come from Big Factory, he said. This lamp, real magic. Really, 
I replied, "How much for this lamp?" One hundred dirham," he said. "That's not even thirty dollars," I thought. But as it was the custom, I said, "And what is the best price you can give me?" His teeth gleamed in the dark. For you, ninety dirham. I reached for my purse. The first teller for this episode is True Thomas, a storyteller you've heard on the podcast before, but one that never fails to charm his audience. Also, keep your ears peeled for the special online storytelling opportunity he'll be offering very soon. And we are staying in the Middle East with his Nasrudin story, The Sack. Mullah Nasruddin was walking down a dusty road when he came across a frowning man who was walking out of town. He looked at the unhappy man and said, "What's wrong?" The man held up a tattered bag and said, "All I own in this world barely fills this miserable, wretched sack." Mullah Nasruddin looked at him, his eyes twinkling, and he said, "Oh, that's too bad." And he ran up and he grabbed the sack and he ran away. The man chased after Mullah Nasruddin and. Well, Mullah Nasruddin was pretty quick for an old guy with a beard, and he got away. Having lost everything, the man burst into tears, now more miserable than before, and he continued walking. Now Mullah Nasruddin ran ahead and took the bag and put it in the middle of the road, just to make certain that nobody else took it. He hid in the bushes. The sad man came walking down the road. He was grabbing his hands and saying, "Ah." Everything I had was in that sack, and just then he spotted the sack lying in the middle of the road. Ah, my sack! He opened it up. Everything I own is still in the sack. Oh, I missed you so much, sack! With that, he took the sack and he walked down the road with a big smile on his face. Mullah Nasruddin hid in the bushes and smiled, and he said, "Now you see, that's one way to make people happy." The second teller for this episode is Liz Weir from Northern Ireland, mentor and storyteller extraordinaire. In this episode, she shares a story from her home county Antrim called Lady Marion's Wolfhound. Long ago, in the town of Antrim, Lady Marion Cotworthy was taking a walk through the castle grounds. It was a bright December day, and as she walked through the trees. She heard the noise of sticks cracking behind her. She was being followed. As she turned her head, a huge grey wolf leapt at her, and she fainted clean away from the fright of it. When Lady Marion opened her eyes, the wolf was lying dead, covered in blood, and licking her hand was a huge grey Irish wolfhound. The dog had saved her life. She brought it to Antrim Castle, and had her servants give it food and drink. But then, mysteriously, the dog disappeared. Many's a night, Lady Marion lay in her chamber, wondering how the dog known that she needed help. Where had it come from, and where had it gone? And one night, some months later, there was a terrible storm. The wind was howling round the battlements of the castle. But above the noise of the wind, 
she heard the baying of a huge hound. She called her servants. They lit torches and looked up to the battlements, and there was the huge dog baying out. They ran to the edge of the castle and looked down, and an enemy army was attacking. So once again, the dog had given them warning, and it saved them. Lady Marion gave orders that the servants should go and fetch the animal, bring it down, give it food. It wouldn't get away this time. But when they went up to the battlements, the dog had turned to stone. Many years passed, and people wondered about that mystery. When Antrim Castle was finally destroyed, the wolfhound remained. And if you go to the town to this very day, you can see the stone statue standing with the date carved on it. 1639. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Magic Mirror Personal Assistant Services. Finally, a piece of interior design that is not only beautiful, but also useful. Optimize your daily planning with Magic Mirror Personal Assistant Services. Choose a mirror from a wide range and synchronize it with your calendar. So every time you look at your reflection, the mirror will not only tell you that you look great, but also give you a prioritized overview of your upcoming tasks and appointments. Styles cater to every taste, from Renaissance to Victorian and Bauhaus, and find out online or in our store which designs feature a pocket mirror add-on. Studies have shown that the use of Magic Mirror personal assistant services reduces stress by 73%. Choose the best for yourself today and stay the fairest of them all with Magic Mirror personal assistant services. The patron for this episode is Harikitana Hargreaves. Harikitana has the magical power of casting bright, shining rainbows into the sky, onto puddles and other clear surfaces. All she has to do is crinkle her nose and blink her eyes three times. If you want to find out about your own special gift, you can, for as little as $4 a month. A big thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible, and a big thank you to all supporters of the arts in general. Countless events have been cancelled as a result of the virus situation, so these times bring hardship on many a performing artist. So if it is not the podcast, perhaps you'd be willing to support an artist near you. Ways of showing your support is streaming their art online, finding them on Facebook or Patreon, or check out www.thesocialdistancingfestival.com Thank you for being a patron of the arts. You truly are the very wind beneath the wings of our muses. I return to reality with a suitcase filled with sparkly dresses and invaluable memories. It took me a few days to readjust to the crisp Swiss air and settle back into my daily routine. The magic lamp sat on my dresser next to some other trinkets and didn't get much attention until now. You see, I have been buzzing in and out of the apartment, having friends over or staying out late. But now, 
the world appears to be holding its very breath, and I sit here in perfect quiet, working on the podcast. And it was just now, in that stillness, that I heard the melody again. once, I can also say that she's a very lovely person. This is her telling The Black Bean. Once upon a time there were three friends, a piece of straw, a piece of coal, and a black bean. They lived in the house of a very old woman, and one night, right before she was going to cook her dinner, the piece of straw said, You think you have a problem, said the coal. Who do you think is going to be burned to cinders? Just wait a minute. What about me, said the black bean. I am going to be cooked and eaten. So the three friends decided to get out of there as quickly as they could, and the piece of straw, the coal, and the black bean jumped out of the window and ran down the road. They ran as quickly as they could until they came to a river. Oh, no! Oh, no. None of them could swim. The straw said, I know. I'll just lie down and you can walk over me. So the piece of coal started walking over the straw, but it was so heavy the straw broke in two and the coal fell into the water. The black bean, standing on the shore, burst out laughing. (laughs) And his belly burst open. Fortunately, a tailor, who was holding a needle and a black thread, passed by just that moment. Seeing the black bean in distress, he sewed up his belly. If you look at a black bean, you'll see a line down the middle. It's true. It happened just that way. The last teller for this episode is Tim Lowry. He says that a well-told story is the pure cane sugar in the sweet tea of life. And today he shares with us the African tale of the elephant skull. The Elephant Skull, a story from Africa. Once there was a pair of mice, Mr. Mouse and his wife. Mrs. Mouse. Now, Mr. Mouse was a very good husband. 
He was brave and true and did his best to defend his family, but he wasn't the smartest mouse anyone had ever seen. He often needed help, a lot of it, and his wife usually had to make things right when he had messed them up. Once during the rainy season, the mice were washed out of their home, and so Mrs. Mouse sent her husband out to find a new place for them to make a house. Now, Mr. Mouse had never built his own home before, and so he simply walked around and looked at the other animals and saw what they were doing and tried to copy them. He came home after a little while and said to his wife, You know what? I've been watching the birds, and they fly around in the sky, and they land in the tree limbs, and they collect sticks and leaves, and they build nests in the trees. Don't you think it would be a good idea if we could build a nest high in a tree? I'm sure that it would be very breezy and cool, and there would be lovely views up there. I think we should build a nest like the birds. That's the most ridiculous idea I've ever heard in my life said Mrs. Mouse. I am not living in the top of a tree like a bunch of feather-brained birds. If we fall out of a nest way up high in a tree, we could land on our heads and kill ourselves. You go right back out and find us a better, more suitable place to live. So Mr. Mouse had to go back out and look all around for another place to live. This time, he looked all the way to the bottom of the tree, and at the base of the tree, he saw a snake burrowing under the grass. So he went right home and he told his wife, You know what? I was watching the snake and he was digging a hole and burrowing under the grass. I think we could live like the snake and live in a hole in the grass and it would be a lovely place. It would be in the shade so it would be cool in the hot weather and it wouldn't be high up so we wouldn't fall down and kill ourselves. Why don't we live in a hole under the grass like the snake? I am not living in a hole like a common snake. That's the most ridiculous idea you've come up with yet. If we live in a hole under the grass, a big heavy animal could step on our house and crush it down on our heads and kill us both. Now go right back out and find us a more suitable place to live. So the mouse had to go back out and look again. He looked high, he looked low, he looked everywhere in between, but he could not find a house that would suit his wife. So finally, Mrs. Mouse took matters into her own hands and she found them a new home. She knew right where to look. She went straight to the elephant's graveyard, and there was an old elephant's skull, bleached white by the sunshine. It was the perfect house for two mice. It was very hard, so if an animal stepped on it, it would not crush in on them and kill them. And it was low to the ground, so that if they fell out of it, they would not land on their heads and kill themselves. And so they moved right in. The very best feature of all was that it had so many doors and windows. Why, you could run in an ear hole and come out an eye socket. You could go in an eye socket and run out a nose hole. You could go in one ear and come out the other. It was wonderful. And soon they were very happy in their new home. And then one day Mr. Mouse looked out the eye socket window of his home to see all of the elephants standing around the old skull in a big circle. The mice didn't know it, but elephants mourned their dead, and all of the younger elephants had come to stand in a circle around the old skeleton of their great-grandfather. They were swaying back and forth and touching the skull very gently with their long trunks. Oh, no, said Mr. Mouse. Now these elephants have come and gathered around our home, and when they see us living in their great-grandfather's skull, they're going to be very upset. They might even kill us. At least they'll make us move away, and I really did like it here. I'll handle this, said Mrs. Mouse, 
and she ran right out the nose hole of the elephant's skull. The elephants backed up to see a mouse run out of their ancestor's nose hole was quite upsetting. She ran right up to the largest elephant in the group and said, Yes, that's exactly right. That's how I killed him. I ran right up his nose and punched him in the brain. And if you don't go away and leave my house alone, I'll run up your nose and punch you in your brain too. So all the elephants turned round and ran off to the river, and they never returned. And Mr. and Mrs. Mouse continued to live in the elephant's skull. And that is why from that day to this, elephants are afraid of mice. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find True Thomas, Liz Weir, Laura Sims, and Tim Lowry on the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can find Rachel Ann on the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Story Story Podcast or rachelannharding.com. And you can find me at isabelhauser.com. The fairy tale sponsor was the result of a conversation I had with Rachel Ann. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was my trip to Dubai two weeks ago, and I still haven't made up my mind about what I'm going to do with that lamp. Please do let me know what you think. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let us know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite story of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover sponsorship opportunities, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. If it's not in the cards for you to support the podcast right now, or if you have chosen to support another artist, you are very welcome to support the podcast later or in a different way. Writing a review on iTunes, for example, is free, and it helps other story lovers find and enjoy the podcast. Head on over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies, and if you tune in, you will hear more stories next week. But until then, stay well and sane, and live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal